2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: That
4: is moderator for
2: tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Two Americas. How about just one range? It's high noon for Wednesday, June thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Follow the podcast on the Telegram messenger app at t.me. Slash I'm your moderator, or join the discussion thread at t.me. Slash I'm reasonable. I'm also occasionally on Gab at I'm your moderator. And the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 161st day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You voted for the guy who would put all your most compassionate policies into place. But you failed to realize that pretending to be compassionate is not in itself a policy. Now, of course, I want to extend a warm Wednesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, communists. Welcome to the show. I'm not sure if you're here by mistake, but at this point, maybe you did it intentionally or maybe you're just still pretending it's a mistake in case any of your friends find out you're listening to this show. I do certainly hope you'll stick around, despite the fact that the things I say will feel like personal attacks against you, but they only sort of are. I'm primarily concerned with attacking all of the very stupid and evil ideas rattling around in your little commie brains, and that's because the ideas are actually very stupid and evil. If you identify yourself with those ideas, you will feel like this is all personal. But it's not. I just want to eradicate all of those stupid and evil ideas so that you can migrate back to America. It's real simple. And that's what we would all like. We're not going to hold this against you if you have fully understood what exactly it is you did and why you did it. And then, you know, try to make amends with all of the people you were so, so awful to throughout this time. All of the relationships in your life you destroyed, all of those people do, in fact, deserve an apology. But here's the thing. A lot of us used to be where you are. I voted for Barack Obama twice and Hillary Clinton. That was very dumb didn't know any better. I was influenced by my culture the same way all of you are. But you have to just own it at some point and be like, wow, I was so wrong. And then try to make up for it with your personal relationships and for the sake of your country and the generations of your own bloodline that will follow you. You don't have to do it for Anyone else do it for yourself, your children, your children's children, and however long that line goes on. So if you're someone who is just kind of getting introduced to the show, and maybe you didn't know that about my prior political history, an interesting thing to do is actually to go back a year or so when the podcast began. And you can see right there that I was not a Trump fan. Now, I had spent the time from the 2016 election on trying to figure out exactly why I was so wrong. So I was moving quickly toward the right on many, many issues. And a big part of that was the realization that the people on the left don't know anything. I had always prided myself and thought of myself As a fairly well-read person, someone who would read material, try to understand what it meant, try to understand the parts of it individually. And I realized at a certain point that nothing I was reading from mainstream sources or from anything on the left, none of it could actually explain what it was talking about or why the things they were advocating for were even good. It was always racism or sexism or homophobia or something else, something that just isn't the reason to do something. For instance, you can't argue for open borders by saying if you're opposed to the Democrat Communist Party's position, then you are a racist because everyone coming across the border is a brown person. That. That is not an argument for open borders. That's a trick. That's a way to stop conversations. And we're going to get to the border thing in a second. But honestly, if you are a redeemable communist, start somewhere last year with the podcast and listen to a few episodes. You can actually track my path to where I'm at now. And you can understand how I got there. And it might help you to understand how so many people have gotten to a place that you're not at yet. And if you go through that, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll be on board with the rest of us. You'll understand how we got there. And you'll understand all of the things that the media has been lying to you about for the last few years. So. I am recording this right after Trump just finished speaking at the actual border, not the pretend border location that Kamala Harris pretended to visit last week only to preempt Donald Trump actually visiting. He's down at the real border with the sheriffs and with Border Patrol, with the Texas governor, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, Ken Paxton, and a bunch of Republican members of Congress. And I could go through pieces of his speech. He actually spoke at kind of a round table with all those folks and then headed down to the border and spoke again. As I said, I could go through that, but I think it's better to go through an editorial that Donald Trump wrote and published this morning in the Washington Times. The headline is, I Built the Wall, Biden Built a Humanitarian Catastrophe. When I was president, I delivered on my promise to build a border wall to protect our country. All Joe Biden had to do was paint it. Instead, Biden has enacted the most radical open borders agenda imaginable. This is perhaps the first time in world history. A nation has purposely and systematically dismantled its own defenses to invite millions of foreign migrants to enter its territory and break its laws. No one knows who they are, presenting a dangerous threat to Americans. To say that Biden has provoked a national security disaster does not even begin to do justice to the calamity. In May, illegal border crossings were nearly 700% higher than when I was president during the same period last year. For each of the last three months, more unaccompanied minors have arrived than in any month in recorded history, any prior month in recorded history. Seizures of ultra-lethal fentanyl, Are up 265 percent from last year. More of the drug has already been intercepted than in the entirety of 2020. Joe Biden has restored catch and release, torn up our hard earned asylum agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and announced that anyone on the planet who lives in a crime afflicted area now qualifies for asylum in the United States. Meanwhile, ICE is effectively shut down. Senior border security officials have been fired and criminals are being released in record numbers. To top it all off, the Biden administration has announced a new program whereby the U.S. government will literally pay to fly illegal aliens relatives from other countries to join them in the United States. And unbelievably, that's 100 percent true. These policies are utterly depraved. The actions of someone who, by all indications, wants to completely abolish America's southern border. Yet of all the vindictive, shocking, and self-defeating border security actions Joe Biden has taken, none surpasses his decision to stop the final completion of the wall. Nearly 740 miles of border wall had been fully funded and more than 660 miles were already built or undergoing construction. Customs and border protection confirmed on January 15th, Five days before I left office. After more than two years of litigation and Democrat obstruction, the wall was going up at an average rate of two miles per day. We had already more than doubled the length of the physical barrier protecting our southern border. We had also replaced much of the previously existing dilapidated fencing with new impenetrable metal beams focusing on the highest traffic areas that Border Patrol agents themselves had identified. The wall was planned, approved, paid for and virtually done. Only a few key areas remained to be completed. All Joe Biden had to do was let the contractors finish their work. The border agents wanted it and it would have made the the whole country safer. Instead, Biden sabotaged the completion of the wall, ordered an immediate halt to construction on his first day in office, impounded the funds Congress had appropriated and took steps to terminate the national emergency declaration that had facilitated it. By stopping construction, Joe Biden purposely and deliberately left gaps in the wall, creating unsealed channels right in the middle of the border to be exploited by human traffickers and drug smugglers. I built a wall. Biden built a human catastrophe. This decision has also done egregious harm to our sovereignty. As my administration clearly demonstrated, walls work. After my border wall was constructed, illegal border crossings dropped 90% in the Yuma area and 80% in the Rio Grande Valley and parts of El Paso. Illegal drug trafficking and human smuggling also decreased in those areas. Building just 12 miles of border wall in San Diego alone reduced necessary Border Patrol manpower by 150 agents a day, saving millions of taxpayer dollars and freeing up those agents to provide additional border security elsewhere as a result of biden's abdication of his sworn duties texas now says they will build the wall this should not be necessary and is at best a band-aid over the gaping wound biden created Border security is a core responsibility of the federal government, and my administration had already done everything required to complete the project. We secured the necessary legal authorities, acquired the land, designed, engineered, and tested the wall. With little help from Congress, my administration obtained the money, executed the contracts, and hired the personnel. For Texas to be unnecessarily forced to repeat all these complicated steps will take months or years, if it is even possible for them to do it at all. Governors and state legislatures should certainly do what they can, but there is no substitute for federal action. We handed Biden the most secure border in history. We ended asylum fraud, terminated catch and release, negotiated historic migration agreements with Mexico and other countries and virtually stopped illegal immigration. Precisely because of these policies, we achieved an incredible 90 percent reduction in illegal crossings. Our nation is being destroyed by Biden's border crisis. The United States must immediately restore the entire set of border security and immigration enforcement measures we put into place. And critically, we must finish the wall. A nation without borders is not a nation at all. For the sake of our country, Joe Biden must finish sealing the border immediately, or the American people must elect a Congress that will. That is a firebomb. And I know that that was a bit lengthy. I hope it wasn't boring. I think it's all super relevant. The case that Trump is making is unassailable. The case that the Democrats make against it, their argument against all that is that it's racist. That's all they have. And I'm not sure that Trump actually goes far enough when he describes the reason for it. He offers two options. It's either incompetence or that they want open borders. Now, to argue that they want open borders, I suppose, is sufficient. But I think it actually does go further than that. They want to be able to fundamentally change the population of this country. They want low wage labor. They want people who will vote, giving them political power in perpetuity. And they want to continue the drug and human trafficking trades. There is a bigger agenda here at work than simply open borders. Open borders certainly allow for all of these things, but that's almost a passive description of what the real goal is. The real goal is actually far darker. The real goal is the destruction of this society. The way to understand what's happening right now at the border is, Is As a modern day slave trade, they are systematically removing people from their communities and bringing them here so that they can steal their political power and steal their labor. Many of them are killed or raped on the way to this country. Children are kidnapped and trafficked. Women are trafficked, and people are used as drug mules by the cartels. What else are we supposed to call it? The only element it's missing are slave ships. But they've replaced them with trains, vans, tractor trailers, and little boats across the Rio Grande. They then... Put the illegal immigrants onto planes or buses and ship them all across the country. Are they choosing where they go once they get here? Of course not. So these are not people leaving horrible, unlivable situations and reaching America to claim asylum so they can begin a life of freedom. They're coming here so they can begin a life of indentured servitude. And we're supposed to pretend that all of this is an act of beneficence because we pay for their housing and we give them money and health care and schooling. That's a obfuscation. That just makes it hard to see the real truth. Because it sounds like they're getting a great deal, even though the American taxpayer is funding the whole thing and the American taxpayer does not support it. It still sounds like the immigrants are getting a great deal. Oh, yeah, well, they're they're leaving a terrible situation, which, of course, you don't know anything about, Kami. You don't know anything about their situation. OK, you just assume it's terrible because you hear about the country they're coming from. And your little racist brain thinks, oh, yeah, it's got to be terrible down there. I'm sure it is terrible for some people, but the point is you don't know and you don't know what they're escaping. A lot of these people are simply economic migrants who are being told they can come here and find a better life for themselves and their family. What they're finding is that they have to work for almost nothing. They have to do what the people funding them say. And they may lose their loved ones just making the trip. But sure, Kami, you're very compassionate. One other note about Trump's trip to the border today. There was a funny moment where he was kind of riffing with Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. I guess at least I think it was Dan Patrick. I, I Suppose he could have been talking to Scavino or another Dan, but I think it's Dan Patrick. But he was like, you're doing such a great job. I wonder if you'll be my campaign manager the next time. And then he says, oh, or maybe we won't have to do that. And you gotta love that because Trump knows. You really think the country's just going to let Joe Biden stay in office? When it's obvious beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only way he's even faking being in there in the first place is because they fraudulently created a potentially 25 million vote difference, maybe even more honestly. No, that's not going to happen. Trump will come back. Don't know when it is, but I don't think it's going to take that long and certainly not until 2024. So just briefly, this morning, CNN ran a headline in, I guess, celebration of the 100-year anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. The headline is crazy. This is by a communist at CNN named Ben Westcott. The Chinese Communist Party is about to turn 100, But she will be the real star. That's Xi Jinping. He's going to be a star. Xi Jinping, the guy whose party has 2 million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps, the guy whose party covered up the origins of the coronavirus and allowed the coronavirus to leak from a lab and allowed the coronavirus to spread through the world and delayed telling the rest of the world and then forced the WHO to lie about human-to-human transmission and forced the WHO to delay any reporting about the virus for six weeks. That guy is a star, according to CNN. Tell me again, commie. How our media is not fully compromised. Every single thing CNN says, and by the way, every other mainstream outlet, is a complete and total lie. Okay, they are trying to reshape reality into a story that works for the global communist agenda. Period. End of story. CNN is basically a map. Of what reality isn't. If CNN is saying it, you can safely assume that the opposite thing is true. However they interpret real events, you should interpret them the other way. You will be batting like 900 just based on that. You don't even have to really think or know anything. Just assume CNN is wrong and you will be right 90% of the time. The other 10%, well, that's what thinking and research are for. I'm only advising this if you want to be lazy and wrong about 10% of the time. So, today, all of the media is being forced to reckon with the announcement in New York that their recent mayoral primary election was a complete and total disaster. They, quote, inadvertently introduced 135,000 fake votes into the election. They're now saying that they were test ballots that they had run before the election that somehow were just left in the system. If you'll recall, a week or so ago, I talked about how New York had done this ranked choice voting and they had announced early on it was going to take a couple of weeks to get to the next round of ranked choice and the next round and blah 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 because apparently with all of these brilliant voting machines that are already set up for ranked choice voting and already set up as we know to calculate fractional votes the machines couldn't calculate quickly enough to just yield the results. And what I said was that these week-long, two-week-long, three-week-long delays, these are going to exist specifically so they can figure out how to cheat and switch the outcomes the way they want them to be. I immediately found it very odd that Andrew Yang finished fourth and then came out with a very strong, humorous, kind of self-deprecating statement about how he lost by a lot. If we find out that New York re-rigs this thing and that Andrew Yang wins or is very close to winning, we should all know immediately exactly what that is and what that was. Andrew Yang wanted to come out, and immediately say that he respects the vote, he's not contesting anything, he almost over It was like he was happy that he lost. He might as well have been like, yeah, you know what? It turns out New Yorkers really don't like me, and they're right. What was I even thinking? It was that kind of thing. Not the normal way that politicians concede, especially not ones who are national figures and propped up by the party to that extent. You got to figure Andrew Yang made some kind of deal last year when he dropped out to let Joe Biden go unopposed. Everyone else in that Democrat primary did the same thing. That's why the moron Pete Buttigieg is pretending to be Secretary of Transportation or something. Two days ago, he said that the interstate highway is racist. Like, for real, that the roads are racist. So it remains to be seen how the New York City mayoral primary will turn out. But if Andrew Yang benefits from this, I think we can know what happened. Now, speaking of test ballots, check this out. This is Susie Voiles with John Fredericks just a few minutes ago talking about Georgia.
5: A crease without
2: a fold crease. Can I ask you something, Susie? How is that humanly possible? Are these just magic ballots that fly in and out of an envelope, or did somebody come in and steam clean them like you would do a suit after a rainstorm? How was there no creases in these?
0: I have, I have really no idea. Um, the only way that that could happen, um, there was a woman that I met also who filled out an affidavit, and her story—I didn't know her until weeks afterwards—but her story perfectly corroborated what I had seen, that these were ballots that she had printed as test ballots. Um, And there was something else that was very unusual about them. Not only, the first thing that drew my eye was there was a little eclipse in the first bubble in the presidential mark. But out of 110 ballots in this batch, the other thing, besides the feel, besides the no creases, was the fact that every office on the front and the back were exactly the same. Now, John, I've been doing this for over two decades. I have never seen odds like that. That meant 107 were for Joseph Biden, two were for Donald Trump, and one was for Jorgensen. That's just a statistical impossibility. And then when I found out that Bridget had printed what were supposed to be test ballots, that's what she thought they were, was test ballots, but somehow those test ballots were interspersed within other ballots,
2: Now, isn't that interesting? I wonder if that could have happened all over the place. I guess we'll find out soon. One of the theories about what was going on in Fulton County, because a week or so ago, they found that some of the seals on the boxes had been broken, which would have allowed people physical access to those ballots. One of the theories was that they may have gone back in to fold those ballots so that they would look like they were actually mailed. And we'll find out if this is true. But if that's true, if they tried to eliminate the pristine ballot problem without actually eliminating those ballots or creating new ones, this is how they would have done it. They would have gone in and folded them. Which is a reason that Jovan Pulitzer's kinematic tests would be really important it would be important to find out if those were authentic ballots printed on the right paper folded by machine or if they were these extra test ballots that had then been folded after the fact well, why don't we start with the chaos and the democratic <clears throat> primary oh my god The, 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 the chaos in the democratic it's primary really is,
5: is um, how do these people Mm-hmm. Ever complain about anybody else's voting problems? I mean New York City and we've said this for years. It is it's it's horrific. It's antiquated, it's incestuous, it's corrupt. I mean it is just a disaster and here they go, "Oh hey, we're going to try to spend 48 plates on our nose uh, while jumping on a trampoline." Or uh, some Layman may call it uh, like this, this uh, ranked uh, ranked Ranked choice choice voting. Mm. I mean, they can't even get single choice voting. Right. Uh, And now they're trying this. And and it's it's once again, they're showing just how incompetent they are.
2: All right. So that is Joe Scarborough complaining about New York City's ability to run an election claiming that they always have problems, they've had problems forever, and that they should not ever talk about how anyone else's elections run because theirs are run so poorly. Now, New York City, we are told, is a heavy Democrat majority. And, of course, Democrats are running the Democrat primary in New York, so this is an exclusively Democrat problem. He's also admitting that it's entirely possible for elections to be off by a whole lot. A hundred and thirty five thousand test ballots is what they're saying. A hundred and thirty five thousand votes spread across the right swing states. More than one place would be enough to overturn multiple Joe Biden fake wins. Talking about eleven thousand eight hundred votes. In Georgia, I think. Slightly less than that in Arizona. That's only that's less than twenty five thousand votes flips two states. And we have one hundred and thirty five thousand fake votes in one city. That we now know their election was a complete disaster. There is no winner. They might not even be able to figure out the winner or they will say they can't. Are they going to hold another election of course not. They'll just award it as they see fit, make sure no one complains and move on. And the idea that a guy like Morning Joe, who's spent the last seven months calling things the big lie and complaining about the very violent insurrection and asking that Rudy Giuliani be put in jail for saying that election fraud happened. That's that guy. And now he is just out there admitting that elections can be totally messed up. And he's not talking about how odd this is or how could this have possibly happened. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're just really bad at elections. And that's supposed to suffice as a response. I guess they got it wrong, but we're sure they'll fix it. And all the commies will hear that and they'll be like, yeah, well, you know, New York's always like that. The thing you always got to think about is how commies will hear this stuff and then how they'll repeat it, how they'll adopt the newest slogans and then repeat them as if they fully understand the situation and can tell you why it's not a big deal. And somewhere in their little commie child brains, this actually makes sense because they think that the solution to one of these problems, the worst punishment that anyone could receive is the people on the media and experts saying bad things about them. So now that Joe Scarborough has said bad things about New York election officials, that's it. They're fully punished. That's the worst thing that can happen. Their reputation has been tarnished. We don't need to find solutions. We don't need to find out exactly how something so catastrophic could have happened. And we certainly don't need to go around punishing anybody. And we definitely, definitely do not need to lose faith in our election system because that would be an attack on democracy. No. All we need to do is admit That New York always has problems so we can expect problems like this. We're sure they'll get it fixed. And so let's just move on. We've we've now insulted them. Everyone knows that they are worthy of insult. And so that's it. Problem solved. This is standard procedure. Just call out a problem and say some mean things about it. That's it. That's the weapon. Just the mean things. These commies are like the knights who say knee. I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but the knights who say knee were very scary because if you ever crossed them, they would say knee in a very high voice until you were beaten into submission. That was their weapon. That's what we have here the solution is just say a few bad things and move on. speaking of moving on, does that even count as a segue? I don't think so. But let's talk about some COVID. So Rand Paul is out today talking about the infection fatality rate of the very scary variant, the Delta Plus variant, the entirely new disease that we surely must know nothing about. And he's noting the fact that among unvaccinated people, the infection fatality rate of the very scary variant is 0.08%. So that is 8 in 10,000 people who become infected with the very scary variant of coronavirus who will die out of the unvaccinated population. 8 in 10,000. That is less than an average flu. Less than an average flu. That's what we're all supposed to be scared of now. California is trying to tell its citizens that they have to wear masks everywhere, even if they're vaccinated, due to the presence of the very scary variant. Now, remember, those eight in 10,000 people who might die after being infected with the very scary variant, will almost all be over 70 years old and with an average of four comorbidities, four other causes of death. Because there's nothing that indicates this is any deadlier and there's nothing that indicates that it will affect different people. The normal flu actually kills children. COVID does not. And we're supposed to be scared of this. We are supposed to change our lives because of this. Californians are being told they must mask up again. Apparently, the retards who govern California think that all the citizens are retards too. They never have the thought, oh, hey, we already know we win these elections by fraud. So maybe the people aren't as dumb as we think they are. Or we wouldn't have to do the fraud. They would just automatically vote for us. The sad part to me is that people will probably listen to this and do it. And I'm sure, positive actually, that I know some of these people. I almost wish that I could be around them to see them in their fear or to say, hey, You're not actually afraid of this very scary variant, are you? Because you're a vaccine and you've been telling yourself that being a vaccine has saved your life and everyone's life around you. So if you're not actually scared, then the truth is you're just doing this so you can mark yourself as someone who is allowed to bully everyone else. Because that's the real joy of the mask. Nazi Dr. Anthony Fauci was out again today doing television interviews because I guess they think he's going to be able to help sell the country on the very scary variant and how very, very scared they should be of the very scary variant. And he commented that America would become two Americas. The vaccinated and the unvaccinated would divide. And surely we would see just carnage and catastrophe among the unvaccinated, even though we're getting numbers that as many as 60% of people who are infected with the very scary variant have already been vaccinated. But if America does divide on those lines, it's going to be the people in the heavily vaccinated places who are bearing the brunt of this. Texas and Florida are not going to suddenly be disease centers where people are dropping dead in the streets from the very scary variant. It's just not going to happen. I cannot believe they're even going to try this again, but apparently they are. And I don't know if they think they're going to be able to push this through by force, or if they really just are this bubbled that they don't understand the rest of the country Has actually already moved on. If they're under 30% on people who are opposed to forensic audits. Do they really think they have more people who are scared of the very scary variant? Particularly knowing that almost everyone in that 29% of hardcore communists is already a vaccine. Anthony Fauci should get a red hat and wear it on all of these interviews that says make vaccines maskies again. <laughs> but here's more from the Nazi doctor.
5: Oh, uh, final question. Uh, now we got We need to let you go. But uh, I, I've got family members that haven't been vaccinated yet. And, and they say they're waiting for full FDA approval. I have gently tried to move them towards the vaccination before that happens. I don't think that's going to happen. But that is, uh, that is something that a lot of people bring up that are vaccine hesitant. When can we expect full FDA approval uh, for these COVID
2: vaccines? Now, wait a second. You're saying that these vaccines aren't FDA approved? Whoa. Whoa. Now, that's what we've all been saying. It also happens to be true even when Joe Scarborough says it. But it's strange that they still disagree with it when we say it. But let's find out why they get to disagree with it.
3: You know, Joe, I don't want to get ahead of the FDA, so I
2: can't really make a prediction. Wait a second. You can't make a prediction? You just don't want to say the prediction because the prediction is no time soon. They generally want to
3: dot all the I's and cross all the T's, but I can tell you something from experience with other vaccines.
2: Oh, so all they're doing is dotting I's and crossing T's. They're not considering problems like heart inflammation that they just had to add a warning for last week. They're not considering all of the deaths, which are far more than the last couple decades of vaccine deaths combined. That's not going into the decision. That's not affecting FDA approval. They're just crossing I's and dotting T's. It's all a formality. That's so strange because you would think that if it was all a formality, they would get that approval done so that they wouldn't have to still push these out under emergency use authorizations, and then they could actually force the American public to take this experimental gene therapy.
3: When you get a vaccine that has been given already to hundreds of millions of people, that has a highly, highly effective uh, um, profile in preventing particularly serious disease, a a very good safety profile, I think the chances of this
2: not getting approved is extremely extremely low now wait a second it's extremely low the chance that it won't be approved at all so you're saying there's a chance there's a chance that these vaccines might never be fda approved i think that's what anthony fauci just said and it's weird that he's laughing about this i mean anthony fauci is the science right so I'm confused because that didn't sound like a very scientific explanation. He's telling Joe Scarborough that that Joe Scarborough should let his own family members know that there's no chance the FDA won't approve it. It's going to be approved. They're just busy dotting I's and crossing T's. It's actually uh, it's actually pretty funny that you would even think that there might be a problem with the vaccines. I mean, we know that they have a uh, an excellent safety profile and that they hardly kill anybody, honestly. I mean, we've given it to hundreds of millions of suckers. I mean, people already. And only some of them are dead from the vaccine so far. It's only stupid people that don't understand I'm telling you the science. So if you're a smart person, you might as well just get the normal vaccine dose and ask them for extra vaccine. Just double the meat.
3: So when I look at that, even though it's an emergency use authorization,
2: to me is as good as completely approved. And what could make anyone feel safer? Then hearing the country's top medical advisor, a man who is himself the science, telling you all that an emergency use authorization is just as good as full FDA approval. In fact, it's a mystery why they even have two different things. The FDA should just approve whatever Anthony Fauci wants and be done with it. Why bother testing anything? Even... Wasting time testing implies that you don't trust the science or you somehow doubt the efficacy of vaccines. Are you an anti-vaxxer? Are you an are you a vaccine denier? Are you a covid denier? Don't you understand the very scary variant? Don't you listen to the experts? Don't you listen to the science? So I think you should tell your relatives that
3: You know, this is as good as can be. This is an extraordinarily good set of vaccines. So waiting for the full approval, I think you really should rethink
2: that because you might wind up getting infected when you could have been protected. You might end up getting infected when you could have been protected, except. Anthony Fauci also admits that the very safe, very effective vaccines don't actually protect you from getting infected. And in fact, the very scary variant is more prevalent in people who have been vaccinated. It almost makes one wonder if somehow the vaccine itself is what has made the very scary variant so very scary. Someone get Gretchen Whitmer on a Zoom so that we can have a conversation with her about how everyone should take the vaccine while looking at her Anthony Fauci throw pillow in her Zoom background. That is how comforting Anthony Fauci is. It's worth listening to Gretchen Whitmer just to see his face on a throw pillow. He is the science. And when he speaks the science, the science emerges into the world. Anthony Fauci simply said, let there be science. And there was science. And you can see how seriously he takes his job. He would never allow the things he says about the science to be affected by politics or by financial interests or by his own self-preservation since Congress just yesterday had a hearing about COVID origins that Fauci didn't bother attending, but. It showed pretty conclusively that COVID originated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That China and the WHO covered it up. And that Anthony Fauci has been pretty much wrong about everything. But not only that, let's hear what Admiral Brett Jawar has to say about it. This is from the hearing yesterday. And remember, Admiral Jawar was on the COVID task force, the White House COVID task force he was responsible for the logistics moving things around the country okay we were controversial
6: in the trump administration but there was such bias against the president that even thinking that you were helping the president you were uh you know excommunicated from the scientific community and i think that's a really important factor and if you so if i want
7: to i want to just dig in on that a little bit so uh, I, i'm a physician And we did in residency, you know, this thing called Journal Club that was designed to teach us how to see bias in medical studies. We would look at, well, were the researchers funded by the drug they're investigating? So uh, breaking it down to the simplest level, was there selection bias in the population examined in the study? All these different types of bias in science, right? What I just heard from you is that there is a new bias in our scientific community, and it is Trump. And if you are going to research anything that could you know, prove the president's statements true, then, then that absolutely is rejected out of hand and
6: therefore a form of bias. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, you are hearing that, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm, I am not going to go into specifics, but physicians who were on the task force— or who were around the task force, were under tremendous pressure from their scientific colleagues to not even show up with the president on stage advising the Oval Office. Tremendous pressure, and they felt it. Uh, This was real. Um, And again, um, uh, I'm not going to read into her, but I'll just say Dr. Burke said she knew her career was over the moment she came to the task force because she would be uh, prejudicially yeah,
7: excommunicated from the scientific community because she may have supported some thesis that but scientifically was true
6: and we all know to be true, but Trump supported.
7: What's well, not even the
6: thesis, it's just being on the same place with the president. Uh, I think oh, you, would
7: you can't him. even be in the same room, huh?
6: Right. And and, and huh. that's, that's true. And
7: that's people true. died because of the
2: false information that has been put out. Got that? Now, I know I've been harping on this for Over a year, but there should be nothing more shocking than hearing what you just heard. That is a member of the coronavirus task force saying that the pressure from even the scientific community to disagree with Trump is what ended up guiding the nation's policies. Now, as we've discussed before as well. Anthony Fauci carries about as much weight in the scientific community as anyone. He's responsible for all of the funding that goes toward infectious diseases, and not just in America, in many places around the world. Anthony Fauci is in lockstep with the WHO, with Bill Gates, and with Francis Collins at the National Institutes of Health. Who was putting the pressure on these scientists? It's a mystery. But what's not a mystery is the effect that all that had. Agreeing with Donald Trump was not allowed even when Donald Trump was right, which it turns out was pretty much all the time. Aside from some moments that he may have misspoke, or that he may have been misunderstood that the communists will point to, there really aren't examples of Donald Trump being wrong about the science, about the data, or about what the response should be. The one place I would say he was wrong was that he ever allowed the idea of lockdowns to become prevalent in society. And maybe one day we'll find out why he did that. But it certainly wasn't a good idea because lockdowns did nothing more than destroy the economy. And Donald Trump going along with the lockdowns gave space for states that would not and should not have locked down to do so. Lockdowns should have never become an accepted form of mitigation because lockdowns are not mitigation. If lockdowns do anything, they might temporarily slow spread to preserve hospital capacity. That was the original theory. Not just that we could lock down and the disease will disappear from Earth. And the truth is that if we were going to go by that theory, we should have fully locked down. But we didn't do that. We simply decided who was essential and who wasn't, and then made people enforce all of these ridiculous policies through shaming one another and bullying one another. Except for really, truly insane communists, nobody just stayed home the whole time. At minimum, people went out and ran their errands. They went to the grocery store and got groceries. Now, not the communists, especially not the rich communists, which are the loudest communists. They had other people bring them things because they figured that was safer, you know, for them. And if it's safer for them, then it's safer for everybody, because if everybody just did like they did, everyone would be safe forever. I mean, after all, they are the smart people and they know they're smart because they listen most to the experts. In fact, that's one of the main features of very smart commie brains. It's not that they have no sense of reality. Like commies, I assume, generally know that the election was a complete and total fraud. But they then decide they must be wrong. They fight against their instinct and all the evidence they can see in the world. They assume they must be wrong because the experts say the opposite thing. And so then they're just fine with knowing that the thing they believe is actually right, but they'll say it's wrong. No matter how bad or how important it is, they will just deal with the fact that the election was a total fraud, because if anyone questions them, they can just appeal to the experts that they believe. And those are the only people that very smart people ever actually listen to because they don't understand the subject, so they under they, they think that no one else will understand the subject either. So they're like, "Well, we better see what the expert says. Oh, the expert says it's the thing that I want it to be, rather than the thing that all evidence in the world and my own instinct shows me to be true. All right, gotta trust the expert. But the thing is, man, the commies don't know anything. They don't know anything. Their entire lives. They don't understand something. They assume it's too difficult for them to understand because they're told that all this stuff is very complicated. It's very complicated understanding election fraud. And of course, it is complicated. It's not too complicated for a person with normal intelligence who understands the importance of the subject matter. It's not that kind of complicated. It's not quantum physics. It's not organic chemistry. It's not trying to understand what is and is not pass interference. It's just election fraud. There's all sorts of ways you can trick systems. All you have to do is understand what the system is and then think, How could someone exploit this system? And then you just look out in the world and see if someone is exploiting the system in that way. That's it. That's all it takes, commies. You could have done that on your own. You could have thought, hey, if we send mail-in ballots to every single person in the country, is there any way that could go wrong? Huh? How could you exploit a system like that? Could someone get someone else's ballot and then fill it out and then send it in? Well, yeah. How would we stop that? Oh, signature confirmation. Okay. well, you know what? My state just passed a rule, not a law because the legislature didn't do it. But my state, you know, someone there, Secretary of State, Attorney General, Stacey Abrams, who cares? They just passed a rule that signature verification isn't any problem because we don't want to disenfranchise anyone, because when you disenfranchise someone, that's racist, even if the person's white. And even if we don't know who the people are, just the idea of disenfranchising anyone ever is racist. So we need to make sure that we don't check signatures. Now, the commie brain should be able to understand that if they're not going to enforce the one thing that could potentially make that male problem A little safer well then that mail problem might be a real thing and then you can take that idea out into the world and say hey I wonder if this thing actually happened was this a problem anywhere and all it takes is legitimately one more sentence hey yeah commie it was a problem all over the place would you like to see the evidence commie And then, of course, the conversation's over and they leave and they call you racist and you're an insurrectionist and you're a domestic terrorist. You repeat the big lie, which basically makes you a Nazi. And then they run home to hug their Anthony Fauci throw pillow. And it's that entire mindset that people either need to train themselves out of or they need to snap out of it as fast as possible. And, you know, world events are going to snap a lot more people out of this very soon. But the idea that everything important in the world is too complicated to understand, therefore, you just have to trust whoever the TV says is an expert is one of the stupidest, most rock-dumb ideas that could ever be adopted throughout a society. The only people who believe this stuff are communists. This is basically what 1984 was about. The entire society was so committed to the needs of the state... They were so brainwashed into believing that the state was always right and that it was their job to support what the state says. That's the dystopia. And these people just lap it up. They love it. That's what makes them feel safe. They don't have to do any work at all, ever. They live their lives as children with the government as their parent. And I want to talk about One more thing before I wrap this up. Somehow, Kevin McCarthy actually gave a really relevant speech today. And Kevin McCarthy is definitely a rhino, mostly useless, and very likely a traitor to his country. But he is also, at least temporarily, the minority leader in the House of Representatives. So this statement has... At least some gravitas, even if just in an official sense, that he is the one reading this into the congressional record. And for context, he's talking about a Democrat push to have statues removed from the Capitol.
4: It's a fighting time of our nation. The greatest challenge ever to our Constitution was the Civil War, long and by far. The bill we're voting on today, we voted before. And I supported it. I support it now. But let me state a simple fact. All the statues being removed by this bill are statues of Democrats. Madam Speaker, as I heard the Speaker talk earlier about removing of the four portraits of speakers in the hall, the same answer goes for that as well. They were all Democrats. Democrats. What's interesting, the statues that need to be removed were sent to the Capitol by states that were majority controlled by Democrats, sent to a house that had a majority controlled by Democrats accepting of these statues. I think the bill should go further. Maybe it's time the Democrats change the name of their party. They may be desperate to pretend their party has progressed from their days of supporting slavery, pushing Jim Crow laws, or supporting the KKK. But let's be honest, at any place, at any time, if those fundamentals rest somewhere, we cannot
2: let them. Gotta say, that was pretty well done, pretty concise, right where he needed to go with it. Now, I don't know if Kevin McCarthy is actually going to be able to sell this narrative and if the party will continue to push this narrative as they should, because historically, Democrats are the racist party. But it's good that he said it. The Democrat Communist Party is a hate movement. It always has been. It always will be. And it only can be. If you have a collectivist ideology, you win by pitting groups against one another. There is no way to continue down that line without creating group hatred. It has to go this direction. It is the only direction it can go. And the Democrats should change the name of the party. But even better... Once election fraud is fully exposed, once COVID is fully exposed, once 1-6 is fully exposed, and once all of the rest of this is fully exposed, they're not going to need to worry about what they're calling their party because there won't be any party left to name. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.